this week on the Roommates Podcast. I just think that it's a shame we live in a situation where people of color have to, have to constantly explain their motives and what they mean. Mm. Uh, we try to humanize ourselves because mm. it would seem like because we're all human yeah. <laughs> that that would be a given, but I think that's not when you're a person of color. Yo, what's good, America? It's your boy, Hafiz, and this is the Roommates Podcast, a late-night conversation taking you behind the scenes of Becoming, featuring all the interesting people, perspectives, and conversation you'd experience on the way. Also known as the best hour of your week where you are entertained like a stand-up, educated like a TED Talk, and enlightened like a sermon. Unfortunately, guys, unfortunately, Christopher is not here today. He was not able to make it. His sister was getting married, and I told him this was more important, but he said that wedding was more important. I don't understand how that's possible, <laughs> but... Hey, but that well, wasn't your sister. <laughs> hey, yeah. No, I actually told myself, like, yo, if if I had to interview somebody <laughs> and you were getting married, how how mad would you be if I couldn't make it? And she's she said, depending on the interview. <laughs> right, right. But uh, I want to bring in somebody really, really excited about having him on the show. A New York Times best-selling author, uh, activist, an intellectual, and one of the kings of comedy. Please welcome to the show. Our guy, your new roommate, D.L. Hughley. Hey, now, man, I ain't had a roommate in a long time. So. <laughs> Yo, D.L., we really appreciate you. We know you've done, what, seven shows in Houston so for far? Sure, for sure, for sure, yeah. And you came out tonight, you know what I mean? You you rocked the house like usual, and you're doing the show, so we really, really blessed and honored you, to have you, you. It's an honor to be here, too, man, so we... Most definitely. Most, so, how, so how's Houston been treating you? Always good, man. We had seven shows. They 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 did real well. This is a you know one of the things about this city is so it's so transient. A lot of people are from here, from everywhere. So it's really a pretty good blend of 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 you know like Americans, people from all over, people doing things, people coming here. So it's really a chance to kind of see how the country's gonna take with take what it is you're doing. Okay, top three cities, no order. To live or to work? That, you, that, to, you, that you've been to. Uh, I've been all over. <laughs> um, L.A., because I'm, I'm from there. Obviously, obviously. Um, I love uh, to uh, L.A. because I'm from there. So I love uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love uh, to perform. <clears throat> I'd, I'd say probably Nashville. Nashville? <coughs> Yeah, that's an eclectic group of, of cities, man. <laughs> None of them can play football. <laughs> oh man, but uh, so you got a, a new book coming out, right? Actually, I'm sorry, a new book that's out, right? And you said this is the best work you've put out. Well, to me, it's okay. the hardest work. I think it came from a more organic place. Like it, the book is called "How Not to Get Shot" and other advice from white people, but it came <laughs> from a place where I was having a. <coughs> a conversation with Megan Kelly mm. uh, about police brutality and all the things that had happened, and uh, I, we, it was a heated discussion. Yeah, but out of that came a creative empathy. So, I think uh, I think I, I really want to thank indifferent white people <laughs> for uh, spurring a creativity. Like I, I saw it in uh, not just this book, but. LeBron James with his thing with Laura Ingram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think rather than people are taking negative. Uh, uh, negative things and making them into uh, tapestry, and it's, yeah. that's dope. Yeah. So, as a comedian, do you do you find it 
a struggle at times for people to take you seriously? Because you're a really smart guy, and I feel like sometimes when people look at comedians, they expect you to make them laugh all the time, but then you also make them think. Well, I never, I, I, those are kind of uh, uh, adjectives I don't ascribe to myself. So I, people can call me whatever they want. That's real. Ultimately, I'm just a cat that just tells you how I see things. So I've never really uh, assessed how people, what they think of me or what that means. So I don't have a hard time being yeah. accepted in any genre. But for me, when I leave, I just want my point to be clear. Mm, and what's that point? Uh, depends on what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If it is... Um, uh, you know the state of the world, or what's happening, or what I'm, I think about any particular situation. It, it just it matters to me that at that particular moment I'm clear. Mm, I love that, and so clarity in the message which made you write down the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I just think that it's a shame we live in a situation where people of color have to have to constantly explain their motives and what they mean. Mm. Uh, we try to humanize ourselves because. Mm. It would seem like because we're all human yeah. that that would be a given, but I think that's not when you're a person of color. And why is that so? Um, I think people have a tendency to kind of uh, uh, mitigate us. Yeah. And, uh, think that we're not, like I, I've said this before, and it's something I, I literally mean. I think the most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imagination. Imagination, yeah. Because the imagination, the guy they conjure up, mm-hmm. or the girl they conjure up, is is much different than the person that's standing in front of me. Exactly. And I love the point that you brought up because I was I was reading some of your work and I was listening to some of the things you talked about and you said one of the most important parts of everybody is our humanity. Sure. But when people strip you of that humanity, you become that other. Right. You become somebody that they can easily ostracize right. and demonize and say, because you're not like me, because you're less than a person, I can treat you any sort of way. Right. So how and did we I get to that that's point? The American experience is where mm. Um, the reason we have the situations in America, how we started out and how we are right now is because people thought we were slightly less than human. Mm-hmm. Not even slightly less than human, but yeah. hum- in- inhumane. And I think uh, it's, it's, it's the reason you can club a baby seal or the reason you can, you can beat a dog. It's mm. the reason that you could uh, uh, treat things you think are inferior uh, in an inferior fashion. And I think we fall into that category where people don't see us the same way as they do themselves. Yeah, and that's really interesting because one of the things, you know, the constant discussions about, you know, Trump politics, what's going on in the culture, and one of the things that I've seen is that a lot of the people that voted for Trump, whether they're racist or not, we can argue about that later, but a lot of them- I don't think it's, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think it's impossible to have voted for Trump and either not be a racist or accept that racism exists, but it doesn't matter to you. Mm, that ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And s- I don't think it's ignorant. You don't think I think ignorant? it's willful. Willful? No, no. I, I, you know, like, look at all the things that people say. Well, what about the economy? Yeah. Well, the economy's doing well, so you should accept mm-hmm. everything that, that comes as a byproduct of that. There's no way that people don't know who he is, no whether they accept who he is or not. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing about America is that we have to tell ourselves stories. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I don't say that everybody who voted for Trump is racist, but I do think that they think that racism is an important factor. 
Yeah. And that and that's really interesting because I think that we live in like a, like a tale of two Americas. Right. Sure. Like one of the things that you talked about is like the problem with humanity is that sometimes when you don't have proximity to people, when you don't have empathy for people, you easily you know to dehumanize somebody. Right. So a lot of those people in middle America, they're not around black people. Right. You know, they're not around people of color. They're not allowed different kinds of people. So it's a lot easier for them to look at us and be like, oh, he has to be a thug. Oh, he, oh, he has to be X, Y, Z because they don't have those personal experiences. But that's the antithesis. This is of human. Mm. If you're human, you accept that everybody who walks on two legs yeah. and is a homo sapien mm-hmm. is the same as you. Yeah. So if if you're human, that's that that's you don't have to have seen a a, 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 a like person or a person like you to know that person still is human. Mm. And I think the humanity uh, has so many different variations and so many variables in some people's minds that it allows people not to be. But mm. humanity, if I walk on two legs and I think and I reason, um, then I'm not too much different than you. But whatever way that you can diminish me is what you do. So that makes um, humanity not that important to you. Mm. So how do we move forward? I know a lot of people, like they, it's kind of like going to the doctors. We know the diagnosis. We know that we're sick. We know that we have issues. So how do we move forward? Like how does the next generation step up and not create these, I mean, perpetuate these cycles? it's going to take... Um, I guess in 2000, 2045, mm-hmm. uh, there will virtually you will be a home will, will be a bunch of people who are mixed. Mm. You know, the white race won't be uh, the majority anymore, and I think that's a problem for a lot of people. I think that that's one of the things they're fighting over. But I think one of the things I I think happens is that one of the reasons that people uh, so readily accept the gay people and transgenders. And lesbians, because they have them in their family. Mm. The thing about black people, it's a lot of people before you get to one of us. Man. And now, you know, people are having children with people and grandchildren with people and family reunions with people. Yeah. So I think as that goes along, we'll, we'll, we'll start to become human just because we kn- they know them, like you pointed to earlier. Yeah. Now, that's a good point, because even, like, it goes back to, like, religious backgrounds. Like, my my dad is Muslim, you know, and, like, I'm Christian, but the biggest thing is I've lived with my dad, you know? Like, I love my dad. My dad's probably one of the greatest men in my life. So when somebody says, oh, all Muslims are X, right. all Muslims are Y, now I got this personal experience. Like you said, that, that human-to-human interaction, but when you don't experience people like that, it's right. easy just to demonize them. So you're saying that moving forward in America when we start to become more diverse and and people have more diversity in their families, they'll begin to will, more willing to accept That's the hope, but ultimately, if you are a specific uh, people who run things don't have to know any other experience. Mm. Nothing else has to be common to them. Mm. And I think that's starting to change because all of a sudden you can't just sit in your vacuum and tell us what is it. All of a sudden, you have to interact with people. That's good. So it's like the globalization of the country sure. is forcing people who could easily just sit in towers and say, no, nah, I'm not going to mess with you guys. To and who f- want to. Mm. They want to sit in those towers. Yeah. Um, a comfort is, is a very intoxicating thing. Mm. Who wouldn't want to be comfortable? But you can't tell me. Every time you're comfortable, you're dying to an extent. Everything you do to stretch your exercise is about stressing yourself, pushing yourself past your limits and become stronger because of it. But most of us, and I think uh, specifically to America, they love comfort to the extent that 
that feels normal to them. Mm. And so it's like moving out of the comfort zone is the only way for true change to occur, but we're addicted to comfort. Yeah. So we're kind of like in the cast 22. I think so. Mm. How do we get out? I think you got to test the bounds. Mm. They're going to have to be enough. Like I was very hardened about what happened this week, last week in, in, in Dallas where Jordan Edwards killer was since the 15 years. I think that people, one of the things I like about social media is there's a mirror to a great uh, degree. I'm not talking about all the frivolous stuff, but I'm talking about there are people who who are getting the message right in terms of humanizing themselves and people seeing them differently. And I think that's the one a great thing about social media. But uh, to me, it, we shouldn't have to ask people to to accept the notion mm. that we're as human as they are. That's crazy, huh? It, it, it seems... Uh, like a misnomer to believe that I'm better than you or I'm, you're not human or you're not what I am. Yeah. But that's really kind of the basis of our introduction to America. Man, that's, and, and I think that's just what I'm keeping on hearing from you is like the dehumanization of one another. Sure. And like you said, like the more we're able to see one another for who we truly are, the more we're able to get better. And, and so one of the points that you brought up about, you know, some of these issues with police brutality is that, you know, we have, White people easily tell black people, you guys need to take care of your right. community. You guys need to get your black on black crime, which we all know is just an issue of proximity because all pro people in proximity commit crime of one another. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you make the reference that, but white Americans, they don't police their own community. No. And when they do crime, they just simply just make excuses for it. Right. You know? And, and my, uh, one of our good friends, um, Andrew Schultz, Andrew Schultz is a comedian. Uh -huh. He made a point. He said, one of the issues is for so many white Americans, they look at the police officers the way we look at firemen. You know, like when we look at firemen, we think of just regular good people who just always do right. But for the black experience, it's, it's a total night and day experience. But for a lot of white Americans, they're just either oblivious to or ignorant. Of I it. think you have to lie to yourself to not realize things exist. Mm. I don't I don't really I think that's uh, I think that people hide under that notion. But automatically you every human being is born with the id. You know what's right and what's wrong. Mm hmm. That that have to be taught, that have to be manufactured, that have to be learned or sussed out. You know what's wrong inherently. Mm. But what people in America have been able to do is to shut their consciences off. Man. And that's a really good point, because I, I see that. You know, like you like you said, like when you talk about in your in your book, when Police brutality happens when they, when they literally see with their own two eyes people get killed. They come up with an excuse. They sure. justify it. You know, like they literally, like you said, they're literally turning off their minds and acting as if everything is normal they're when not, it's not. They're not just turning off their minds; they're turning off their consciousness. Mm. You can't tell me if if it is that. Well, they always say, "Don't break the law; you won't get in trouble." Yeah, just be. But Donald Trump breaks every law, every <laughs> societal norm, and every presidential norm. But you don't say the same things to him. Mm. I think we have so many stark examples of what uh, people do uh, to bring a specific situation to heal, but they don't try to make it better. Mm. We, we uh, If we're all the same and nobody's above the law, then we should all, at a certain point, recognize that we are uh, human and the same, and I don't have to explain that to you, but they make allowances for some people and not for others. Mm. And it's really funny because a lot of the people who are making allowance are those in the power positions. Sure. And the biggest issue... The <laughs> reason to make allowances is if you're, in, if you're on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, but the biggest issues are the people in power. They want to give it up. Only way for... Only way for 
equality happens for the people in power to willingly give up their power and to, and to treat all people equally. Or people take it. Mm. So like up. And I don't, have to, I don't think it has to be violent. I yeah. think it has to be um, power is never shared. It's always taken. Mm. Never. It's never shared. Yeah. And you don't have to, and it's easy to ask for forgiveness and permission. I think that's how most people function, but we have to understand either this country or this time is going to uh, uh, be fair and espouse all these things that they're willing to kind of accept or not. So moving forward with the next election, what are, what are your thoughts about how the America who want to see a change, America who wants to see equality, how, sh how should we, the people, move forward within this next election? I think you got to decide, like, like I, I was talking about this. Now, Colin Kaepernick is a cat I respect a lot. Mm -hmm. But him and other cats, like, uh, you know, Killer Mike was saying that there was no discernible difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But in real, in reality, Colin Kaepernick would be in, in the league right now if he wasn't uh, having Donald Trump be his adversary. Mm. So in real life, uh, it mattered whether they voted or not. Mm. It mattered that uh, you you cast your 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 you threw your hat in the in, in the fight, and a lot of people didn't, and that vacuum was filled by people. Either, if you vote or not, uh, in a, you don't participate. You still participate, just not the way you're willing to or want to. Mm. So, what would you say is the best course of direction? I, I I actually think that they should make America have to vote like everything else. Mm. You got to have jury duty. The things you have to do. I think we should all have to vote. Hmm. What about some people would even argue that America is kind of like in a bad marriage <laughs> where right. they got to break up. Right. Do you even feel like some people are far fetched to say even like dividing up America? You feel like that's something that's even reasonable? I don't I don't know that America will ever break up because it's powers and it's <laughs> yeah. unity. Yeah. Economically, militarily. But I, it would be nice um, for a certain like to me, California is not necessarily a part of the way that a lot of Americans see the country. We just pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if we left, this whole thing would be Oklahoma. But but I just, I think um, if, the, if there were anything I would advise people to do is to recognize people's humanity and, and to understand it. But yeah. I think we're afraid, we're afraid, afraid of uh, uh, being judged. I think we're afraid of uh, whether we'll be successful or not, but it's just, uh, it's an interesting time right now. Yeah. Well, Dio, we know that, you know, you got a lot going on and we really appreciate your time. Want to be respectful of it. So if you have this one last message to the people, you know, all the work that you've been doing, just a message of encouragement <laughs> for people who are like, they're hopeless. They're, they're seeing that watching the news are overwhelmed by the police brutality, they're overwhelmed with all the issue. What, what would be a message that you would have to give to I the people? I don't think people of conscience get to be overwhelmed. Mm. I don't think human beings get to be overwhelmed. Mm. I think that regardless of what's happening, you still have to step through the plate. Mm. Our parents did it. Yeah. Our grandparents did it. Yeah. That's the lineage you come from. Yeah. Then you do it. Yeah. And that's a great message because that's that's just so true. And that's what we try to do with the show is that so many people are overwhelmed with the issues, overwhelmed with the struggle. But for since 
black Americans came to America, they've been overcoming, mm -hmm. you know, they've been defeating, they've been going through so many obstacles. They overcame slavery, they overcame Jim Crow. Like if we can overcome so much, we can go f forward so much more. And, uh, and like I said, I love your book because you're bringing light to these issues. I love what you're doing because you're constantly speaking hope and life to the people and we really appreciate you. Do you know why uh, people hated Barack Obama so much? They hated him because he won without their consent or participation. Mm. When people always go, America voted for him. Not 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 the establishment, not white America. He he lost the majority of American, white mm. Americans. But he won because he had a message that was clear. And I think that people don't, particularly people of color, don't take time to accept and acknowledge and appreciate the things they've done how far they've come and what it means and what kind of impact it has. So I think uh, that one of the things that has started happening is that we don't accept somebody's accept people's narrative of who we are. Mm. And that's beautiful. Like you said, like we've, we've gone so far, we've done so much, but we're still accepting these old narratives. Like I look, I listen to a lot of old Malcolm X speeches yeah. and Martin Luther King speeches and they're literally talking about the same thing back then right. that we're dealing with today. And the same unhealthy ideologies, the same negative stigmas that we're embracing, yeah. like they were dealing with back then. And so we got to be able to move forward from that. That's right. Man, I love that, man. DL, man, we really, we really appreciate you so much. Um, for the people who want to check out the book, where can they find the book? Amazon. They can go to their local bookstore. They can get it on Audible Books. It's called How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People because they always got it. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. And one of the things our listeners like to do on this show is they like to reach out and let the people know who come on the show how grateful, how thankful they are for the wisdom they blessed, were blessed with. So where can they reach out to you? I'm at Real DL Hughley for... Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much, Dale. We Thank really you, appreciate you. So, guys, as usual, you know what to do. Make sure you send DL a mess. Let him know how much he's blessed by this podcast. We really appreciate you. So, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is your boy Hafiz. And I am DL. And we got a roommate, so make sure you guys hit up DL, show some love, share, 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 comment, let people know where they can experience the best hour of their week. You are, we got the roommates, and adios. Adios.